0: Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast for January twenty eighth, 2022. My name is Larry Lannan. I am a volunteer in the area of communications and a retiree. Of course, uh, Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. Uh, I'm very happy that you've joined us today. And once again, I uh, wish to welcome Chapter 49 President Duncan Giles back into the podcast. What would a Chapter 49, Podcast B without Duncan Giles. Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Larry, and it would probably be better without me, but, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: You know, we've never tried that, so I'm not sure how it would work. <laughs> I don't think people would really be too excited by watching me sit here and, and just talk for 30 minutes. So, yes, I need somebody to to, to bounce back uh, all these things and, and go back and forth a little more interesting that way. Uh, we have a snowy day uh, here in central Indiana, a little more snow than we had predicted, but... Uh, predictions of snow are a little difficult. Meteorologists have always told me that in my years working in the radio business. And it looks like uh, I know you have no window. You'd like to mention that. <laughs> but uh, I do have a window here in my office, and it's pretty clear that we're getting a little more snow than expected, although we're not going to get the snow the East Coast is getting. that's They're about to get hit with a pretty serious snowstorm.
1: Yeah, for those folks, it's batting down the hatches. Uh, in central Indiana where we are, It's almost been a snow hole, Uh, goes north of us, south of us. Um, We've been pretty lucky this winter for those of us who uh, are not snow freaks. Um, So if it's going to snow a little bit today, that's okay.
0: I want to say that I want to apologize as a producer of this program and also one of the people who host it that uh, we had some glitches last week. I was down in Florida with a little different setup and wasn't quite as sophisticated as I have here in my office in Fishers, Indiana, which is where I am today. And so there were a couple of glitches. So please forgive me for last week. You we had a good guest, though. Dan Casper gave us a very good uh, rundown on what was going on from the perspective of the uh, people in Washington, D.C., and the national office of NTEU, uh, so I,
1: I think Dan's very knowledgeable. I don't care what laurie McCann says about him.
0: You know, here's the thing about you and laurie <laughs> McCann. You <laughs> know, uh, for people who forget, she's the Chapter Ten president in Chicago when was part of the team uh, w- uh, for negotiating the national agreement. You and Lori were the two chapter presidents there the whole time. Others uh, were in and out, but uh, the two of you—one minute you're complimenting each other, the next minute you're zinging each other. I've never seen anything quite like it.
1: Lori Lori and I have a great deal of respect for each other. She is an awesome, awesome uh, chapter leader and an even better person. Uh, But do I like to have fun with her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm having no issues with having a little bit of fun with her.
0: Yeah, that uh, comes across loud and clear for anybody (laughs) who's been around the two of you, as I have a couple of times remotely, but still it comes across there. Well, let's get down to business, and we... When we talked to Dan Casper last week, he made a very important point that, you know, we've talked about returning to the office, and he made the point that, you know, at at some of these uh, campus uh, processing service centers, processing centers, there have been people working in the office for a long time, months, year, over a year. Uh, In Indiana, we have a few people who have had to come into the office for various reasons. Some are clerical, some others. they should be recognized. This is a very difficult time to be working in any office, large or small, when only a few people are there. So uh, even though we t- we're we going to talk in a moment about returning to the office, there are still people at IRS and, and not too small a number who have been going to the office for some time now.
1: Yeah. Those folks in the service center, the folks in our tax, which are our walk-in offices, As you mentioned, the clericals that like that like to come in, that have to come in, uh, folks in call sites across the country where they're not able to work from home. These are people who have been coming in for quite a long period of time. And uh, I'm thankful for everybody that's uh, able to do that and that has to do that, that is willing to make that sacrifice because it's not easy. It can be a scary place because of the way that COVID just Shoots around, especially with this latest variant. And, you know, our folks everywhere, whether they're at home or in the office, are doing yeoman's work and doing a great job. But it just adds another complicating factor to their lives when they do have to come in.
0: So let's talk about the return to the office as it affects most employees, certainly not all, as we've just mentioned. Uh, But we don't have any kind of date to return to the office IRS has to give some notice before that happens, and everybody's not going to come in back at the same time. So there's a lot going on here. Please update us on what you know.
1: Yeah, this is something that uh, is very important at this point. There is a lot, I'm going to emphasize that again, a lot of conjecture about when the offices are going to reopen. And, you know, people are hearing, well, you know, it's going to be happening March 1st. It's going to be happening. As of Wednesday evening, the IRS has told National NTEU there is no set date for the offices to reopen. We don't know when they're going to be reopening. So if somebody tells you the office is going to be reopening at such and such a date, they do not know that because the date has not been set. And also keep in mind that the IRS has said That at a minimum, they will give a 30 days notice to employees when they're going to be reopening the office. So we're going to have at least 30 days notice. And if they were going to open it in March 1st, as many have speculated, they would basically have to give the notice today. And that's not happening. Now, the IRS has been talking about doing this in apparently two phases. And the discussion has been, okay, who's going to be in phase one? Who's going to be in phase two? uh, Who's considered mission critical? Um, That would be every freaking employee to me, but that's neither here nor there. We need to wait and see how that's going to play out. National NTU is absolutely going to have a role in this because we, I believe we share. I know uh, National NTU feels this way as well as um, the local chapters, and I'm sure many in the IRS hier- hierarchy do as well, that employee safety is of the utmost concern. That even when we do return to the office, there's going to need to still be social distancing. There's going to need to be mask enforcement. So these are things that are going to be, have to be done, and management is going to be solely responsible for making sure this is taken care of, or else there are going to be serious issues. So there's still a lot to work through before we have that return to the office.
0: I think we need to realize that I, I didn't even know they still use that term mission critical. I thought that was a NASA term, <laughs> mission critical, and uh, it's still being used with IRS. And I don't think having, being a former manager, I would not want to be in the business of deciding who is mission critical and who is not.
1: Yeah, it goes back to the essential employees versus non-essential. And I'm sorry, every single employee that we have I've never encountered a non-essential employee unless we're talking some executives who I, you know, have no idea what exactly they're doing. And to be quite honest, there are a lot of executives that don't have the ideas what some of those executives are doing.
0: Uh, that's very well stated, Duncan. Now, <laughs> uh, you, you touched on something there that I want to talk about some more. Testing protocol. You've mentioned in our last podcast that sometimes supplies for testing are lacking. There are supply chain issues in a lot of areas and just the basic ingredients to getting a successful test done. I just saw a news article uh, this morning that if uh, if you have one of those home test kits and it gets out in the cold and freezes, it's not any good anymore. <laughs> Whatever you're getting out of a reading is not going to be accurate. So there are all sorts of um, complications to a testing protocol um, and I'm just curious what we do and do not know about any potential testing protocol that would come with a return to the office. Uh,
1: there's That's going to be part and parcel of returning to the office, and the IRS is, quote, working on testing protocols. I like to use the air quotes with some of this stuff because it's like that's a very nebulous term. They're working on the protocols. They've told National NTU that this should be out the protocols should be out to national and to you sometime in mid-February. That doesn't mean they're going to be ready to roll them out. That means that they're ready to discuss what they've come up with. Now, it's been my experience in the few years that I've been chapter president, (laughs) two decades.
0: Few few years?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That most of the time when, you know, IRS is ready to roll something out and they've considered every option and they've taking a look at this from every angle they run it by national NTEU and national NTU usually only has, you know, one to two dozen points that they want to raise. The IRS goes, Oh, yeah, we really didn't consider that. Or we didn't think about that. So it'll be interesting to see once they do share with national, what the testing protocols are, uh, what the potential holes in it is. Um, you know, cause like you said, The tests could be interesting. You know, they're going to be sending people on on administrative time to get tested. Whoever needs to be tested, that's still to be determined. We don't know how long a turnaround time is going to be on those tests. We don't know, okay, if somebody's told to take a test, they go and they get administrative time to take the test. Now, how long are the results going to take and what's going to be the employee's status while they're awaiting those results? You know, you would think it would be administrative time, but we're still not sure what IRS is going to propose. So there's a lot of moving parts that are still going on with that. So, again, if somebody says, well, I know there's going to be testing protocols and I know exactly what the testing protocols are, I don't think so.
0: You know, we haven't done the mailbag we did one time, mainly because most of the questions you receive, we incorporate into our podcast each week but you have shared with me the, a number of questions that you have had over the past few weeks about COVID leave. You know, can I take that special leave that was tied to the COVID pandemic? So what is, when you get the question, what, how do I claim COVID leave? What is your answer?
1: Uh, the answer is, unfortunately, for if you are ill, there is isn't. Any leave that you can specific leave you can take. It was authorized by Congress. The emergency paid leave uh, that covered COVID illnesses was authorized by Congress. And that expired at the end of the fiscal year last year. So it expired at the end of September. And Congress has not re upped that and doesn't give any indication that they're going to. So, you know, there's still the caregiver leave that's out there, but that's for very specific, narrow circumstances. When you're caring for a child who is uh, whose school is closed or um, something of that nature, or someone who is elderly living with you that is incapable of self-care. Those are the two very narrow things. Aside from that, if you get uh, COVID or you got suspected COVID or you're told by your doctor to quarantine, you're going to need to take your own leave for that. Now, you can get Uh, Leave without pay, if you wish, uh, for this. And in some instances, we've heard that across the country, uh, employees have asked for advanced sick leave and been told by management in some, again, some areas, we're not sure how much or how scattered it is, that they cannot get advanced sick leave uh, for COVID. That's absolutely false. They should be able to get advanced sick leave if they are requesting it. Um, If they are sick for um, at home from COVID. And if you have a positive COVID test, that's the documentation you need there shouldn't, you know, and and, you know, the doctor says, stay home, okay, if the doctor says, stay home, and you've got a positive COVID test, that should suffice for what you need to get the advanced sick leave, or the leave without pay, uh, due to uh, basically having to quarantine so you're not infecting others
0: yeah and advanced sick leave i think we need to make the point here that the law is clear that advanced sick leave is totally just up to the discretion of the management now when i was a manager i always i didn't have too many of these but whenever i had a a request from one of my employees for advanced sick leave i i was very you know i, I considered it very carefully and looked at all the circumstances. And if I could, I always tried to give out that advanced sick leave if the circumstances warranted it. And I think your point is very well taken. And if a manager says you cannot get advanced sick leave for COVID, you're right, that's totally false. Those rules have not changed. They've been around for ages, and it's up to the manager to make that decision. And the union doesn't have a lot of rights there as far as challenging that. But I think if you make a, uh, you should be able to make a good uh, case to your manager. And if you're denied there, go to go to the next uh, manager and, and see what you can do. Uh, advanced-
1: yeah, because there it is in the contract, uh, and it continues in the 2022 national agreement that uh, yeah, it is up to management's discretion. But it is it does say in the contract if you meet these particular circumstances, you will be granted advanced sick leave. And if you are not expected to retire anytime soon and, you know, you have the advanced sick leave available, you haven't already reached the maximum there, this does qualify for it with the COVID. So there shouldn't be a problem with a denial.
0: And, you know, the thing you have to remember is that advanced sick leave does have to be paid back. And that's why you mentioned that not being close to retirement, you have to have enough time to pay it back reasonably. So uh, there's a lot involved in advanced sick leave. But uh, you know, if you have any questions, talk to Duncan because there are there is some contract language about that where the management has committed, even though they have total statutory authority to grant or deny this, that in certain circumstances uh, the management is committed to go ahead and do that, and and COVID is certainly. Uh, uh, an issue which would be part of that discussion and don't let any manager get away with saying that advanced sick leave cannot be used for COVID. That's not true at all. The the same basic rules apply with or without COVID. So anything, exactly. to add, anything to add on all that?
1: Nope. I think you covered it very well. That's, that's exactly correct.
0: Now here's another thing that I, I wondered about this for a while, never really said much about it, but uh, I know you would like to talk about this today because you're hearing about this. Uh, all right, let's say you, you've contracted COVID and you feel you have the ability to prove that you contracted COVID at work. It's not an easy thing to do, but let's just say you feel you can make that case with evidence that you contracted COVID at work. Then the question comes up, can you file for workman's compensation? Well, the answer to that question is a little bit like can I file a lawsuit? Anybody can file a lawsuit at any time about anything. Winning is an entirely different thing. Same thing for this situation on Workers Comp. Of course you can file for workers comp, but Duncan, the real question is what are your chances of prevailing?
1: Yeah, that's that's always the fun with workman's comp. Um, yeah, you, know, you would have to sit there and be able to prove you know, many people said, well, I know I caught it from this person. Okay, so you're only around this person for, you know, whether you're at home or whether you're at work, He's, that's the only person you're around. Well, no, I'm also around, uh, you know, A, B, C, and D. Well, how do you know it's not possible you caught it from A, B, C, or D? So the devil's always in the details. Um, you know, workman's comp can be extremely difficult to get. I I would not dissuade anybody from uh, trying it if they do think that they have a case that they are pretty certain that they caught it. But early on in my career, um, you know, I had a slip and fall injury uh, on some ice in a going from a um, an office to a classroom. And it was in front of witnesses. And I, you know, took a pretty nice fall. And I went home for the day and took the next day off because my back was stiffening up. So it wasn't a great deal of time. And, you know, like I said, I had witnesses, including a manager, who saw it. But the amount of pushback and paperwork and things that they were asking for, um, you know, just made it almost impossible for me to claim it. And so I basically just threw up my hands at that time. Um, and said, "Okay, I'm not gonna. You know, I'll take sick leave for a day and a half. I'm not going to worry about this. But when you're off for COVID, you could be off for you know a couple of weeks potentially. So it becomes a much greater financial hit, and something you may want to fight further for. So you know if you have this type of situation, and you're reasonably certain that you can narrow it down to exactly who at work." gave you COVID and you can make that case, I would never discourage anybody from trying to get workman's comp.
0: So go in with your eyes wide open, understand what you're facing, and uh, certainly you can file for it, but be prepared for what's ahead of you. So good advice uh, on that front. Let's move on to something that we talked about in the last podcast with Dan Casper being in charge of the field offices that uh, give legal help to NTEU chapters. Uh, we did mention that really just about the time we recorded the podcast last week, discipline had been paused for not having vaccinations. It was a district court in Texas, and the judge judge's ruling, uh, he said, covered the entire nation, not just his district in Texas. Uh, the, I think the uh, the Justice Department took about three hours to file an appeal, with the appeals court, that appeal is still pending. So at this point, discipline has been paused. Our attorneys have sort of given us what we expect to happen at the appeals court. Uh, what are you hearing?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, after reading the decision and looking at it uh, very closely and talking with um, our field reps, it, you know, I, I believe that the judge in Texas had good intentions. Uh, But taking a look at his decision and the legal basis for his decision, um, I don't think it's going to hold up in the appeals court just because of the fact that he compared this with the Supreme Court decision uh, with OSHA regulations for uh, companies with over 100 employees. And this is totally a different situation with the executive branch, with the president being in charge of the executive branch and basically having that order it's almost the same thing as a company saying, okay, as a condition of employment, you have to get this vaccination. Uh, that, and that's been the, um, you know, when we had Jim Bailey on, um, you know, a couple of months ago, our former national vice president and head of our field organizing uh, and field offices, he was, you know, he laid it out beautifully that there is just a hundred years of case law on this, that this federal Uh, judge in texas basically just disregarded um and so we feel pretty strongly that this is going to come back so if you're sitting there thinking okay i'm going to be able to not have to worry about this i'm unvaccinated i don't want to get the vaccination and i should be fine um you know i i would not have that false sense of security at this point I would still be looking to get vaccinated because I do believe that the discipline that's in abeyance now um, will continue to move forward once the appeals court rules on this. And, so, and, I like I said, I understand people don't like mandates. I'm not a fan of mandates, but I do believe vaccination is the best way to go. Uh, so to consider, you better consider that.
0: And that's a very important point you make, Duncan. Because as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding of where this stands now is that, all right, uh, these suspensions that have been proposed are being held in abeyance. They're just being stayed. They have not been withdrawn. Am I correct on that?
1: Absolutely.
0: So you Absolutely. C- so, yeah. they could, so if there's an appeals court ruling uh, the other way and takes that away, we're right back to where we started on this discipline. Is that what I'm understanding?
1: That you are exactly correct. It'll, it'll start right back up where it's uh, where it stopped at that point. Um, they still do have the right to um, ask for vaccination status. That has not changed. Um, it's the discipline part that has been the, uh, that has been the issue. And I've even heard some people talk to me about, well, you know, these people who have retired or left the service because of, um because of the vaccination mandate, you know, are they going to be able to come back if they wish? And apparently a high up official in our human capital office, HCO, I was told yesterday during uh, some sort of meeting that he was asked about this. And the response that was given was, I don't know, which frankly scared the hell out of me because unless there is an announced vacancy, They're not going to be able to come back. It's not one of those things where, you know, you can sit there and say, okay, I retired. Okay, now it's two months later. I decided I want to unretire and come back and do exactly the same thing I was doing at exactly the same place at exactly the same pay. It doesn't work like that under the federal statutes. You can't do that. So to hear somebody from HCO say, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, we don't know. No, I'm sorry. I do know labor law. They can't do that. And that person from HCO should absolutely have not tried to placate somebody and told them that.
0: Well, I do know this much. Once you have retired and that decision is final and you've put your paperwork in, uh, if you want to come back, you can only come back as a reemployed annuitant. And that's, there are lots of complications to that. <laughs> you know, So don't think you could just come in and go back to where you were before and unretire yourself that is not an option and that's a statute that's not something irs has discretion over right so exactly that's, so that, that was my reaction was like okay i don't i was asked to come back as a re-employed annuitant when the service was desperate for instructors and i just said no nah, i don't think i want to do that because my father worked for the defense department and most of his working life after he retired he actually did come back as a reemployed annuitant for a period of time, you worked half a day or something. So I, I know all the adjustments that have to be made and so forth. So, uh, there is no option to come back as you were before, and <laughs> and the reemployed annuitant thing is still uh, there are a lot of hoops to have to go through that. And you're right, there has to be an opening, and what is the service plan of opening up a ton of, of of positions just for retirees? I don't think you could legally do that either. I could be wrong. Exactly. But uh, exactly,
1: yeah, there was. I had a lot of confusion when I heard that. And I was um, the person who had told me that I was quizzing them pretty carefully. And I had heard that from a couple other people that um, that there was a lot of interest in people who had left the service because they didn't want to be vaccinated. Now, having heard about the court case in Texas wanting to come back, and it's just not that easy.
0: Well, we have just a couple of minutes left. I want to give you a chance to talk about something uh, that you were very proud of, that your bargaining team was able to uh, get uh, the, the service to do, and that was to set up a child care subsidy program. It's people only of a certain income level, but still there were going to be a number of IRS employees who were going in the lower income brackets who were going to be able to take advantage of this child care subsidy program. Um, I know that, uh, the service is having trouble getting a vendor to do this on a national level. So explain where that's at right now.
1: Yeah, this program is still rolling out. It's still going to be happening. Um, It's just a matter of starting this from the ground up is not easy. We knew there would be issues. When I say we, IRS and National NTU knew there would be issues. It's not something you can just do at the snap of a finger. And so... It's rolling along and they're trying to get everything together and, you know, trying to make sure who's going to qualify, what the income levels are, um, how they're going to be working on the family income type piece. There's there's a lot of moving pieces to this and they're still trying to get everything straightened out. So it will be happening. Um, It's not moving as fast as anyone would like. And when I say anyone, I'm talking about NTU, IRS employees. Um, anyone, but it, it will be it will be coming up. So, if you're thinking, okay, this has gone by the wayside, or it's not been uh, it's not going to be done. No, this is something that NTU has uh, championed. It was Ken Moffett, our national negotiator, um, and a couple of time guests on our podcast came up with this. It's been a, uh, a great idea. It's a great program for folks who qualify for it. And we just need to give it the time to work through
0: Yeah, and I think the main point here is what you're saying is the service agreed to this because they thought it was a good idea for their employees. They want this program. They're not dragging their feet. They're just having trouble getting it together. And and as you mentioned, even your bargaining team understood that it would be a difficult uh, startup and rollout, but uh, the work is still continuing. That's the point you want to make. Exactly. Well, uh, about out of time here, Duncan. Once again, your last shot. Anything you'd like to say?
1: Yeah, I've got two quick hits. The first one is going to be starting on Monday for NTU members. Uh, at a certain income level, uh, you're going to be able to do free tax filing if going through the NTU website. Uh, the income there was no income level last year. The IRS imposed an income level on all Vita partners this year. So it is going to be, you know, it's not going to be available to everyone, but for those who qualify, uh, because the income level is the same for single or family, you not only get to be able to file for free, but it doesn't cost you to electronically file for state or federal. And those can be quite the savings and the information on that's available at NTU.org. The second thing is, you know, we're still not out of the woods on this stuff, folks. Um, I would urge anyone who is, still hesitant about getting vaccinated to do so and especially especially with omicron out there is to get a booster um you know it's it's been scientifically shown that getting a booster will help you with this and it doesn't eliminate the fact that you might get covid it doesn't it's doesn't do that but it greatly reduces the symptoms it'll keep you hopefully out of the hospital for the most part aside from a small percentage of breakthrough cases. And I just, again, just want everybody to be um, healthy out there. We've lost far too many people to this, and I just don't want to see anybody else uh, have that happen to them.
0: And it should be pointed out that the experts say that, uh, you know, when we thought we were over this many months ago, that uh, the experts look back on that data and say we, as a society, probably opened up too quickly and too fast. When the Omicron variant popped up, all of a sudden we went back to a, to a place we didn't want to be. Uh, so just understand that uh, uh, being careful is a very important ingredient to protecting yourself, your family, and just everyone around you. So, Duncan Giles, thank you very much. If all goes well, we will be back next week with another edition of the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, if you would like to get links to our audio and video versions, all you have to do is contact Duncan Giles. He has an email list, and he'll put you on that list to receive the audio and video links uh, every time we have a podcast. All you have to do is just go into the internal email system or you can go to nteu49 at aol.com and ask to be put on that list and Duncan will be glad to do that. He'll be notified of our podcasts, video and audio each week. We thank you again for listening. Hope you're doing well and look forward to speaking to you soon. So please be safe and be kind.